0: Hello, in this week's 15-minute UN catch-up, we'll be hearing about a bold new exhibition at the Red Cross Museum in Geneva that's looking to shake up preconceptions about humanitarian action. Plus coverage of the week's top stories, including the latest on the Mount Niyargongo volcanic eruption in DR Congo, a warning that the world is likely to breach a key temperature threshold in the next five years, and the Human Rights Council's vote to launch a high-level inquiry into systematic abuses in occupied Palestinian territory and Israel. We'll also have closing comments from the show's regular guest, Solange Bertega cortez from the Information Service at UN Geneva. I'm Daniel Johnson and we're recording this on Friday the 28th of May at 1200 hours Central European Time. Thanks for listening. On with the show. Let's start with the news. Hundreds of thousands of people would likely need assistance in Eastern Democratic Republic of the Congo, or DRC, as people in Goma continue to flee the threat of further eruptions by Mount Nyaragongo, humanitarians have said. The first eruption on the 22nd of May killed over 30 people, and the Goma Volcanological Observatory has warned that the risk of a new eruption is real the UN Office for the Coordination of Humanitarian Affairs, or OCHA, said on Friday. It reported strong tremors on Thursday, one of them measuring 4.9 on the Richter scale, along with large traffic jams out of Goma. With some 400,000 people potentially on the move, UN Children's Fund UNICEF warned that 280,000 youngsters may need help. The UN agency said that many of those who left Goma in the first wave headed to nearby Sake, which is an area prone to cholera outbreaks and where at least 19 suspected cases have been recorded in the last two weeks. Needs are already high in this part of the country, North Kivu, where more than 2 million are already internally displaced and 3 in 10 are severely food insecure. An international probe is to be set up to investigate rights abuses in the occupied Palestinian territory and Israel following this month's deadly escalation of violence, after a vote at the Human Rights Council. The resolution, which passed on Thursday, secured the support of 24 state parties to the council, with nine countries voting against and 14 abstaining. Ahead of the vote, which marks the eighth time the Geneva-based forum has established a commission of inquiry, UN High Commissioner for Human Rights Michelle Bachelet called for a genuine and inclusive peace process to end the Israeli occupation of Palestine. Ms. Bachelet also condemned indiscriminate rocket attacks by Gaza's de facto authority Hamas, which killed 10 Israeli citizens, and airstrikes inside the enclave by Israeli security forces, which killed 242 Palestinians
1: strikes in such densely populated areas resulted in a high level of civilian fatalities and injuries, as well as the widespread destruction of civilian infrastructure. If found to be indiscriminate and disproportionate in their impact on civilians and civilian objects, such attacks
0: may constitute war crimes." The High Commissioner also welcomed the current ceasefire, but warned that it was only a matter of time until the next flare-up, unless the root causes of this latest escalation were addressed. Odds are increasing that the average global temperature will rise beyond 1.5 degrees Celsius above pre-industrial levels in at least one of the next five years, the UN Weather Agency has announced. In a new report, the World Meteorological Organization (WMO) said that there was a 40% chance that the watershed global warming mark will be met by 2025, and these odds are increasing with time. There is also a 90% likelihood of at least one year between 2021 and 2025 becoming the warmest on record, which would dislodge 2016 from the top ranking, according to the Climate Update from the UK's Met Office, which is the WMO lead centre for such predictions. On Thursday, head of the UN agency Petri Talas urged all countries to fast-track commitments to slash greenhouse gas emissions and achieve carbon neutrality. Professor Talas insisted that increasing temperatures would cause more melting ice, higher sea levels, more heat waves and other extreme weather, along with greater impacts on food security, health, the environment and sustainable development. The WMO head insisted that advances in technology could help, as it was now possible to track greenhouse gas emissions back to their sources in order to slash emissions and achieve carbon neutrality. The news there, and this is UN Catch-Up Dateline Geneva with me, Daniel Johnson. Now to our interview, which is about a bold and challenging new exhibition on the topic of humanitarian action, as seen by 30 international artists from Geneva's School of Art and Design. Their work is on display at the International Museum of the Red Cross and Red Crescent here in Geneva, which is where I went to talk to the director, Pascal Huschmidt. Only, I didn't find him because he was in COVID quarantine, so I caught up with him online, along with performance artist Thomas Amondi, whose work also features in this large collection of creative, colourful and challenging multimedia expressions inspired by the human experience of humanitarianism. Here's Pascal Huffschmidt now and he begins by tackling the issue, can art help us understand humanitarian issues better?
2: We try to understand how artists trained here in Geneva can have us see, imagine, understand humanitarian issues differently and especially have us understand how these issues can connect with our daily lives and in which ways we are concerned and humanitarian action not being something you only see on television, in the news, or on the radio, but actually something that is deeply rooted in our individual personal experiences.
0: You say the exhibition, you named it there, Concerned, and it's actually, the, to give it the full title, it's something like Concerned, the viewpoint of 30 different artists on humanitarian action. What is humanitarianism effectively? And maybe Thomas Amundi, if I could jump over to you, um, I think we maybe in the English, we lose the subtlety of that French title, don't we? Concerné is more, how does it affect you? Whereas in English, that might be, I'm concerned about something, but it doesn't necessarily implicate or involve me. Would you share that? How do you do that with your? storytelling performance art that you give?
3: I would describe my my practice as a sharing of experiences using storytelling. I'm taking from a format of articulation that's borrowed from an oral narration, cultural tradition, where I was raised.
0: You're from Kenya, yeah? Yes,
3: I'm Kenyan. I'm from Kenya and I grew up in a household where I would sit around the kitchen floor and listen to my mother narrate to us different stories. And this is kind of how I got to learn more about my life and about the different lives in the world in which we live and in which we are growing up. So, and looking at an oral narration storytelling setup as also most importantly, a space of listening and sharing. So in uh, regard to the exhibition space, I mean, this is the space where artists come in or a person as me come in and share the different experiences that I, I come with from Kenya and kind of seek an audience with the people in Geneva to try to listen. And that way we share and replicate carry on these kind of experiences.
0: And how might that inform the approach of humanitarians? I'll turn to you Pascal on that. How might what the artists are telling you in this exhibition and their research and their exhibits, how is that going to translate back into what the Red Cross is doing and Red Crescent I should say? Exactly, well
2: I think in Thomas's work what is extremely interesting is the question of point of view and um, adopting a different point of view and going beyond A preconceived idea of what medical help and institutions and practices might be. And I think this is at the very heart of the conversation we're trying to create in this exhibition. So the exhibition you can really see as a conversation space. And we didn't try to illustrate humanitarian themes through a selection of artworks. To the contrary. We selected 30 artists whom we thought were extremely powerful and extremely strong in their statements. And we listened to what they had to tell us about humanitarian action and how they could inform us about the big questions that are really at the heart of international Geneva, but that can be approached
0: differently. And Thomas, which particular story is it that you want to get across? What is your angle this time?
3: I borrow a quote from Otto Kanga an artist based in Belgium, who says that we sometimes think that our histories are disconnected from one another, but actually each different culture has informed the other. And this, in consequence, makes us understand that we are not just an entity on our own. And so in the context of intercultural relations or communication, I would look at this interconnectedness as something that's useful thought for looking furthermore into convergences rather than differences. And uh, coming together like this, artists come out here for me very clearly as researchers, storytellers, and consequently mediators. That by sharing this connectedness, we get to appreciate the different
0: perspectives that come. Thank you. And back to you, Pascal, how do you combat and how does this exhibition intend to spread that message and perhaps combat what we've seen over the past year you know we've seen some solidarity there's been however stark lack of it when it comes to vaccinations for example
2: well the very first thing that
0: comes to mind
2: is listening listening to our visitors perspective listening to the perspective of artists of humanitarian workers sometimes humanitarian questions can seem so beyond you. It's something, you know, you you, you hear about in the news all the time, it can become noise, it can become something you decide not to engage with because yeah, what could you do at your level? But through the artworks you see in this exhibition, you understand very complex issues in ways that don't only call to your intellect, but also to your emotions, to your body, to your experience in space. And suddenly you really get the point and you realize that it has something to do with you. I can give you an example. Marta Revuelta, who is one of the artists in the show, is fascinated by the coexistence of autonomous weapons with international humanitarian law. That's a huge question. I mean, you can write a PhD on this. Yet you walk in the museum, you're face to face with a 4.5 meter Zeppelin hovering above you, carrying a camera that's looking at you, analyzing you, and an algorithm decides whether or not you're a target. Well, in a few seconds, you get the point. How is the machine going to understand that you no longer want to fight? How is the machine going to you know, deal with the situation? Can the machine make a mistake? And then you get the point. And I think that's a way of enabling a much broader audience to engage with the conversation and realize that it's not only the big news headlines, it can also be something you do in your daily life, in your community. So yeah, these two levels, listening and breaking down complex issues to small nuggets you can feel empowered to tackle.
0: Many thanks to Pascal Hufschmidt and performance artist Thomas Amundi. If you'd like to see some of the work on display, just search for the Red Cross Museum's website and a reminder that the exhibition is called Concerné. Now, to wrap up the show, let's bring in Solange Bejartegui-Cortez from the Information Service at UN Geneva. Solange, I know you enjoyed the exhibition, but I hope it's not just because it was our first podcast field trip together. Any thoughts?
1: Hola, Daniel. I loved the exhibition. It reminded me how powerful art can be. There was a photograph from Yes Banks, a Senegal artist, a woman in a wheat field in a yellow dress. Her smile and her face is luminous. She looks brave, beautiful, and yet I can't stop thinking. I am at a humanitarian art exhibition Shouldn't look this woman sad and happy? After looking at her for a while, I wonder what's behind her. How is that woman's daily life? Was she forced to marry? How many children does she have? Do they go to school? So what is possible? Anything, art makes anything possible. It can turn over nationalities, identities, bodies, stereotypes. A good picture can talk to you, and it can even say, I don't want your pity. This exhibition is an opportunity to pause, to think about time, to feel alive, concerned, as the title encourages us, to understand and recognize other forms of knowledge and to ask simple questions. What does humanitarian action have to do with me? There's another question. What is knowledge? The work of performance artist Thomas Omondi who contributed to this exhibition reveals the potential of oral history to inform us. He invites us to sit on the kitchen floor where his mother told him stories. Through his art, we ask ourselves, is there only one medicine? What do we know about traditional medicine? Who owns this knowledge? It makes us question the place of Western medicine. We don't need to be for or against either approach. And what's surprising is that a third possibility may emerge from this dialogue. You just need
0: to listen. We certainly do, Solange. Listening and dialogue are what international cooperation is about. And uh, it was very interesting listening to Thomas talk about how his mother used to explain everything from the family's history to traditional medicine and how it uh, sort of meets western medicine it's really an interesting clash of cultures and perhaps unfortunately not so much a meeting of minds and on this point we should maybe also note that the world health organization has a traditional medicine initiative and the aim of the un agency's strategy for the next couple of years at least is to support member states to develop their policies in implementing action plans to strengthen the role that traditional medicine plays in keeping populations healthy and at a time when there is so much mistrust about vaccines this could be a really good way to gain confidence and trust among local populations and also fight stigma. (laughs) So there we are, that is it from us this week listeners, thank you for your time thank you to Solange for being with us and Justine who's in the wings as ever who's going to be promoting this and putting it online and doing everything else that happens that I don't particularly understand but I'm glad happens nonetheless we will be back with more from UN Catch-Up Dateline Geneva next week, until then, bye bye for now